There are people out there now who genuinely have made TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube a really powerful platform for themselves by recognizing that either time off or money investment there is less to gain more than it is on other platforms. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, we're talking about going where the attention is underpriced. Andy Rao, three in the bag today. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've loved it as well, to be honest. Must be good, yeah. We don't, don't do them as regularly as we do. That, that's because I guess we've had so many awesome guests. Got some awesome podcasts coming out. I'm recording another one later. <laughs> oh, you're joking? Yeah. With who? Uh, Drew Moffitt, an American entrepreneur. Oh, right, okay. Awesome. So what are we talking about today? So um, we're talking loosely about um, what you pay for people's attention. So if you think, a really easy one for anyone listening, if you paid to have a TV advert on during the break, during Coronation Street, you'd probably pay millions of pounds to have that slot. If you pay to send an email campaign to a cold list, you'd probably pay thousands of pounds for that slot. If you pay a freelancer to post on TikTok four times a day for you for a month, you'd probably pay a thousand pounds for that slot. However, that's not to say that one is less or more effective than the other. What we're talking about is always identifying where you're going to get the most bang for your buck, where the attention is underpriced. Nice. So in the three tenets of marketing, market, message, media, this is the media section. Yeah. Where you're looking at to invest your time and money. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. So if you think, you know, 20 years ago when everyone started doing email campaigns, email funnels, you could buy a cold list, a cold list, someone who's never heard of you and still get a 90% open rate. Now, off a very warm list, you're doing well to get a 30% open rate. I used to do well. About maybe a decade ago, I'd buy cold lists every now and then, send a few emails out, get some business from it. It all sounds easy now, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, miss, that's it. I miss like, those days. That's mad, isn't it? You just can't do that now. It, it, 20 years before that, people would buy a cold list of residential addresses and send out a letter. Doesn't stop people trying, but I'll be honest, I still get shit all the time. Yeah, I don't even know how it works with GDPR now. I can't understand that at all. So, If it's business consumer, it's more tricky, but obviously we left the EU for a start now anyway. Yeah, yeah, but it's just that whole, like, why, why are you emailing me this shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, so email in terms of nurturing, it's still fucking awesome. But we're, I mean, with, I suppose, because email marketing is, you know, one of the things we know a lot about, basically. We get about 30% open rate. Yeah. But I'd say most businesses send emails out, even to their warm audience, are lucky to get 10%. So email is brilliant, but you've really got to know the tricks of the trade. Yeah. And it's a time, massive time investment where, you know, 10 years ago, you could post on your Facebook wall, and nearly 100% of your followers would see it. Now it's like less than 5%. Uh, five, mad, isn't it? Five years ago, there was people posting pictures of their dinner on Instagram and building up followings of tens of thousands. I can post pictures of my really cute dog every day now and maybe get two or three more followers. Like, the, the game's changed. You know, I would say that the majority of business owners we come across still don't realise that when you post on your Facebook page, for example, that hardly anyone sees it. Some of them still think that's an advert. 
they yeah they hear about the algorithm then they how, how will i know when something's an algorithm? what was i i was talking to someone the other day oh yeah what was it um it's about social media and they and they didn't have a clue it was a group they joined they joined a group um never interacted with the group uh, they were all keen to begin with, like most people are, oh, I'll join that group, that looks fantastic. It was to do with their local town, old photographs, yeah. oh, brilliant. But then never really interacted at all. And then, like, weeks later, they're like, oh, have I been kicked out of that group? It's like, no, you just don't see anything about them because you never take part in it. And I said, that's the algorithm. Oh, oh, I keep hearing about the algorithm, but I'm not really sure what it yeah. means. And it's like, well, that's exactly what it means. Right. Facebook determining. <laughs> Who should see what and when? You know, like, um, and everyone does this, but you know, when you're having a bit of a spy on people, like, oh, I wonder, I what, you mean. I wonder, like, I wonder what they've been up to. And then for a couple of weeks after that, you get served their pictures all the time, and then you're like, oh fucking hell, I wish I hadn't gone and looked. <laughs> that's that's the algorithm, right? That's the oh, you're clearly interested in this person, so we're going to serve you more stuff from this person. And the the quicker you stop looking, the faster the algorithm remembers to. Not showing you. I should say this this person I'm talking to also about once a month will post into her feed. Please copy and paste Ugh. what I'm about to say because then you'll help cancer. save a child with cancer or yeah, something yeah. like that. And I'm like, I almost said her name then. No, anything that says copy and paste is basically so Mr. Criminal out there or Mrs. Criminal can go and search for people who fell for this scam and they would consider them more vulnerable. easily vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, and so frustrating. Or like only only my friends that truly care will share this one. It's like fuck off. (laughs) Unfriend. And then they and then they get really sad when no one does share. No one loves me. Oh yeah. Does anyone know the number for the local doctor's surgery? Does anyone know of a good engagement venue here? Well, you've been engaged five fucking times. You should know. Hope she's not listening. (laughs) She might be. She might be. Well, there's a few that fall into that category now. So what do the right. girls call it? Um, pick me, pick me people. And yeah. I never heard that phrase. Oh, really? Is, yeah. that, is that what the youth call it? So, um, when you watch Modern Family, you watch an episode of Modern Family every night. So, it's like the kid at school, it. like, I'm it's Cameron. gesturing. Cameron, it's like, me, me, all like, me, 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 pick me, pick me, all like, me. It's like, no, it's not about you. You're not the main character in everyone else's story. Yes, Paul. <laughs> well, it's not, that's not his quote. Isn't it? No. It's from Story Brand by Donald Miller. You're the star of what is it? You're not the star in anyone else's movie. Yeah, it's Story Brand by Donald Miller. Yeah, and he probably nicked it from. Well, yeah, but Dan it's not, Kennedy it's definitely not Paul's. Anyone listening? Everything comes from Dan Kennedy. Yeah, or Ogilvy. He just sat in a throne in heaven. Well, he's not. He's dead, not dead. But so. um, there was a rumor he was dead, but he's not. Um, and everything trips down from him for what we can figure out. All these masterminds, all this, it's all coming from somewhere. Yeah, and I think it's Kennedy. Yeah. Who I was first bloody hurt, exposed to like 15 years ago when I started up in business. And she, it's quite, I, I would say, for a startup, it's quite hard to relate to the things he's saying. You need There's a few lessons you need to learn before Kennedy's stuff makes sense. He's got, um, I think we might have it, probably horrendously out of date now. He's got one of his books, many books are The Grassroots, oh, the grassroots Master, or something about how to start a business. But he's. Um, He's divisive. It's helped a lot of people, but he's divisive. Um, and in my naivety, that pissed me off a bit, really. And it's like you come to realise that you don't, of course, have to deliberately be divisive, but there's no money in the middle. If your messaging is just like anyone else's, if your 
if your comp- if your logo can be replaced with a competitor's on any of your marks, it will never tell the difference. You've got some work to do. Yeah. The message part of your business. But I guess we're here to talk about the media. He, he's yeah. divisive, but not controversial. It's interesting. I, none of his campaigns are like heavily rely on pain or heavily rely on pleasure. It's He's just very, very good at what he does. He's like, well, I guess the, the offshoot from Ogilvy, just they're in the business of direct response marketing. And for that, you need to be direct. And sometimes when you explain stuff, you're very direct. And some people just won't. They just, it's, that just won't resonate with them. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, and then, like, nowadays, we're sort of seeing people go from nothing to thousands of views on TikTok purely because they're really good at doing breakdancing or something. We're seeing people who are using direct mail to incredible effects. So suddenly getting packages in front of CEOs of major companies and actually having an impact because that person hasn't had anything in the mail for two years. LinkedIn. People can become LinkedIn influencers or LinkedIn influencers, if you will. Um, I like that one. Doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> And and they do it within a year. They've got like hundreds of thousands of followers. And there are similarities between their strategies. I would say being partially clothed is one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is possible now on, on a number of platforms to grow organically amazingly quickly. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm friends with a couple of these LinkedIn influencers, well, use your phrase. Yeah, um, and they know exactly what they're doing and they've done it really well. They've created communities that are like super fans of them. So when they talk about how sad they are, so they've had a bad day because a client cancelled and they just happen to have their cleavage sticking out of their top of their You're just a cynic. I don't know who you mean. <laughs> you're just a cynic. Well, there's about a fucking dozen of them to choose from. Yeah, but there, there are people out there now who genuinely, with clothes on, have made TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, a really powerful platform for themselves by recognizing that either time or, or money investment there uh, is less to gain more than it is on other platforms. So if you wanted to organically grow yourself on Facebook right now, starting today, versus TikTok, and you put similar content out on both, your TikTok would be miles ahead of your Facebook. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do paid ads on Facebook and TikTok, right now for just clicks to website the cost per click on tiktok would be way lower than it is on facebook because facebook's a more mature platform i'm not saying the quality of click would be would be better that's different but that's the game that some of these serious business owners are playing they're identifying which platform has the opportunity what patterns it follows that other platforms that have been successful in the past have taken so i think Everyone knows Gary Vaynerchuk's very pro TikTok because he can see the same patterns as when Facebook boomed in 2008. He, he can see the same things happening. And he's saying that he could see with Facebook the same thing happened with email 10 years prior to that. And so when you start to notice these patterns, and you know, there's platforms coming out now, well, that have been out a little while, but Telegram, Clubhouse, Raya, podcasts, Amazon ads. One or two of those are going to follow the same trajectory. That I, th- I mean, Amazon ads is a really interesting one. Most people don't even realize that you can advertise on Amazon, even if you haven't got products on Amazon. 
And if you think how much data people, Amazon has about people in terms of they know what you buy, so they know what you like. They know what you watch, so they know what you like. They know where you live because of your deliveries. They know where you work because of your deliveries. They can use all of that data and serve adverts to people very specifically interested in marketing or very specifically interested in uh, law or plumbing. So that's interesting because I think out of the ones you mentioned, the Amazon ads is the only paid for one. The others are organic. Uh, depends on your interpretation of payment because there's no way of doing a podcast is free. <laughs> well, I suppose all yeah, yeah, all include all involves time, absolutely. But say something like TikTok, obviously you've got organic and paid for. Um organic you can get a lot of traction very quickly. But I, I suppose the whole world knows about TikTok like, and, and probably knows its potential. But on the flip side, you've also got things like you mentioned direct mail that hardly anyone does. So it's almost like opportunity from two different ends of the scale. Yeah. And I think uh, the pattern they all follow to be clear, is all of these things start off free, as in financially free. All of these things start off free because they need to build critical mass before they can monetize. So, um, for example, to publish podcasts to all the major platforms at the moment is free. I don't think it will always be free. Where do you think uh, podcasts are going? So obviously, we've been doing podcasts for bloody how many years now? Um, and there's still massive opportunity there. Yeah, I th I think um, it's the people who are willing to be consistent, the people who are willing to continue to give value, even in the face of not feeling like they're getting that value back. Also, it's just, that's the same for TikTok, to be honest. There's people who are really successful on TikTok now that at one point have 50,000 followers and nothing to show for it. Like That takes that takes some stones to... Be like, I've grown this to 50,000 followers and it's still not paying me back. So here's one then. You can't be everything to everyone everywhere. Mm. How do you best choose where to invest your time and money? Or because I mean, someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? I imagine he, he is everywhere. Because he's got a team of 20 people. He's got a massive team, team whose yeah. sole job is to get him everywhere. Whereas for the humble business owner, maybe even a local small business owner, well, I can't do Telegram, Clubhouse, Amazon ads, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Facebook ads, direct mail, email marketing. There has, or, or would it be a case of, well, your best investment would be to get a member of staff whose sole job is to market you across these channels? I'd say that's stage two or three. Okay. Uh, stage one is to listen to someone like us and be like, where am I going to get my most bang for my buck? Because you come and talk to us. Nine times out of ten at the moment, the answer is still going to be Facebook ads because you you can't name me another platform where you can get someone's name, email address, and phone number and know that they must be interested in what you do. That no other platform has that amount of power for right pence now. Sometimes. For pence, sometimes. Yeah, for, yeah, literally for pence. Um, Google's still a great opportunity. Uh, it's a mature platform now, so cost per click, cost per lead is higher, but it's very specific. Um, TikTok's getting getting there, and and the honest answer is we don't know what the next breakthrough one is, but it will happen in the next eighteen months or so. So, so where does a business's humble website fall into all this? Because obviously, websites used to be well, if you didn't have a website, you you were no one. 
And now we're seeing big web, big businesses, Retreat some who don't business. have a website, others who just have almost like a landing page instead of a website, just like a, a big long page saying, give me your details. I think um, those businesses that don't have a website or just have a landing page very often have very good organic presence elsewhere. So they'd be really hot on Facebook or TikTok or Twitter or whatever. Um, but your website, I think, now has become part of your organic strategy. It's the place to host your blogs. It's the place to showcase yourself. It's your brochure. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're sat there thinking, how do I monetize my website? Unless you're e-commerce, you're asking the wrong question. It's how do I use my website as a tool to capture data? Mm -hmm. And it, it, that data might not even be captured on the website so something we talked about in another podcast is we retarget people who've been on our website and the cost per lead there is far reduced because they've already been exposed to us that's the what the website does yeah, yeah. yeah it's mad isn't it how god even years ago i was talking to one uh client and we were doing some social media for her, and she dropped almost 10 grand on a pretty simple Good-looking portfolio site, whereas now, just it wouldn't be anywhere near as relevant for her for her industry. Um, but is that HR? It, it, yeah, yeah, it is doing it is doing that research. And I think there's some there are you know we used to have a client called Mark something, and we all called him Magpie Mark because any new thing launched, he was all over. It. Oh, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. And he ended up diluting his brand. So that's the danger to watch out for. Yeah, and. The thing to think of from an entrepreneurial perspective is, right, we're on three platforms and we're doing them well, let's say. Let's go perfect scenario. We're on three platforms and we're doing them well. Oh, shit. This fourth platform's appeared and it looks like the next big thing. Well, either you need to spend more so that you can be across the four, you need to employ someone so you can be across the four, or you need to give one of them up. You can't use the same budget, be that time or money, and expect to get the same impact watered down across multiple platforms. It's just not not feasible. And that would be that would be a thing we encounter over and over again with business owners is they'll turn around and be like, well, surely we should be looking into Raya. Well, surely we should be looking into Telegram now. It's like, well, the current campaign's working really well. Which bit of that would you like us to take out so that there's time to do this new thing? So, I mean, we, uh, I, I remember a lot of people sniffed when we essentially stopped using Twitter years ago. Obviously, Twitter's all, you know, Elon Musk's in charge now, so goodness knows what's going to happen there. But that was quite a big decision because we used to use Twitter quite a lot. When it came down to it, again, no, you know, we, we were focusing our attention very much more on the, the paid-for services. Um, so even now, if you go to us on Twitter, you'll just see a, a post pinned to the top that says, I think follow us or connect with us on LinkedIn. And I think the reality is we saw where it it obviously launched to great effect um, and we saw it plateau oh, and we we jumped off before it fell. And like it, it then it then actually had like um, a Phoenix moment where obviously Donald Trump made it massive again in terms of information. But for for marketing purposes it, it it had its day and it i mean i'm sure elon musk is going to do things to try and bring it back but ultimately when one platform 
seems to run out of ideas and so just starts copying all the other platforms, that's usually a sign that it's not as good as it once was. And we, you know, we are seeing that with Facebook now, where they're copying features from TikTok. Mm -hmm. But the best thing Facebook ever did was buy Instagram because they knew, right, we've maximized what we can do with Facebook. What's next? Let's buy Instagram. And then when that started, to, they bought WhatsApp. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what their next acquisition is, because whatever platform that is, which could be virtual reality, which is a whole other rabbit hole for us to go down. Um, what the next big thing is, because no one's no one's talking about advertising in in the meta space yet. But if people end up spending four or five hours in virtual worlds, that's going to be a really big opportunity. Wow. So where do you think, um, so, I mean, so Clubhouse, obviously, I mean, I had the Clubhouse app on my phone when that launched and I paid, I spent quite a bit of time in there. Rob Moore was all over it. I suppose I got bored quite quickly. We've done another podcast talking about people's attention span now. But, I mean, are you, are you in Clubhouse much? Do you? Uh, so I recently spoke at an event where it was encouraged that all the speakers regularly chatted on Clubhouse. Um, and it did, and it did give me a little bit of exposure to other big hitters, but I basically it it was it was very relevant during COVID. I think it helped people not be lonely without them having to go on Zoom and everyone had Zoom fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, off the back of it, obviously Facebook have trialed audio rooms, Twitter's trialed audio rooms, LinkedIn's trialed audio rooms, and they haven't really taken off. So the only thing I can think is it's just not quite fulfilling what people... When you were sat at home in your home office and the only other person you were seeing all day was your partner because you were in lockdown, I think it was tremendous, but it, I, I suspect it might have been of its moment. I'd kind of like to be proven wrong because very few chances you get the opportunity to be with like Snoop Dogg in a chat. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> is Gary, What's Gary Vee's take on Clubhouse? He dips in and out, but he's um he's massively into Discord. Yeah, so yeah, Discord servers. I I I'm in like five or six Discord servers now for different things. Two of my coaches have Discord servers, um, where it's like almost setting up your own private chat server. Well, that's what it is. Mm. Um, but also you can share NFTs and share crypto on there, and it's a bit more, it's a bit geekier to be honest, but um. I guess when WhatsApp became part of Meta, there's an there's that underlying thing of like the Big Brother thing, and a lot of people are like, all right, I'm going to set up my own private Discord. I don't want I don't want Facebook having that information. And so, yeah, the V Friends community, Gary Vaynerchuk's NFT community, that's all on Discord. Um, so how yeah. do you? So how how would a business owner spot? when something new is brewing, I think, right, oh, I need to have this on my radar because I've got my market, I know who I'm targeting, I've got my messaging, I know what to say, but when it comes to the media, the platforms I use to spread my message to the right people, the people most like to buy off me, mm. how do I know where where I need to be considering to, to bring into my marketing strategy? So look for critical mass. Is there enough people there? That's got to be the first thing. Is You can be an early adopter if you want, but the problem with being an early adopter is you're going to have to shout into a quiet space for quite a while. So there's people who were early adopters on TikTok who've done incredibly well off that risk. But as a small business owner, have you got the time and or money to do that? Um, so like Clubhouse, 
I got into it six months after it started, uh, and Rob Moore had already monetized it and and got a massive following. Um, had I got in three months earlier than I did when I first heard about it, I probably could have taken that opportunity too. Um, is he is he still a big proponent of that? I don't think so. I don't see him on there. Um, I I see Gary V gets invited to a few bits on there. Um, as they both get invited to to Twitter chats as well. Um, but it's more like it's become more of like a facilitation platform than a than a social media platform. If that makes sense, it's more like like Zoom. It's like oh, should we have a clubhouse room? Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'll meet you there at twelve, rather than something that's organic. Um, so I think trying to identify those things is hard. But listen for the mood music. If um, someone like Gary V or Marie Forleo or Brené Brown is starting to say, oh, come and chat with me on Clubhouse or mm. join my Telegram or uh, sign up to Raya, I'll send you an, an invite. That's when your ears should prick up because if they're taking it seriously, then it's serious. And to give an example of the opposite of that, when MySpace tried to relaunch, when Justin Timberlake bought it, no one took it seriously. And none of those big hitters gave a shit. And nothing happened. And so, and like, I think there's been examples of Bebo trying to relaunch and different ones. So when, um, so for us and for our clients, digital ads are a big part of our strategy. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of business we speak to. It pretty much is all organic and all manual. So if you are spending money, and I mean wisely, so you're making a good return on digital ads, is the organic pressure off to a certain extent? Depends. Depends on your strategy as a business. So um, like for us, there's a positioning piece with our organic that if someone checks us out, we need to be seen as mm -hmm. an authority. Um, and it's simply not acceptable for a marketing company to have no organic presence you'd be surprised yeah i do worry when i go and every day I'm, I'm much better than i used to be check out a competitor's social that they've got advertised all over their website and they last posted like three months ago oh, blows my mind. but but then i think well maybe maybe no one gives a shit but that's just or, or we're mixing in different circles yeah yeah so but then say you run a, plum a plumbing firm and you only service within 40 kilometres of your HQ, you, you know, you could have 12 vans, a big firm. Is having an organic presence going to make a blind bit of difference to your business? I'd argue not. That you could run a very effective Facebook campaign and a Google campaign um, with some retargeting and save yourself a load of time and hassle. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, because obviously TikTok is the one where I would say the people we speak to, that's where they feel the most pressure is to be on TikTok. But obviously, it's a case of not just going all in, but don't post a video once a month and expect TikTok to revolutionise your business. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, like, we know a guy who um, he sells a product for gut health. And he's very knowledgeable on, on gut health. And he records brilliant videos about his knowledge. And they go on TikTok and they go on Reels. Now, he posts three or four times a day, every day. He's not in a position to spend an awful lot of money on his advertising right now, but he is generating sales through his persistence. Through both Reels and... Yeah. And that, 
I get it. That's perfectly that's perfectly legit way to use social media. Um, but if you're, I don't know, um, an HR advisor. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. If you're an HR advisor, and unless you're willing to really put your neck on the block and probably uh, upset the compliance team, it's going to be hard to gain traction because ultimately no one's going on TikTok in an evening looking up how do I deal with this dispute at work? Like mm. that's not yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it it's that's a Google search. And you've got you've got to be realistic about it. however, if you for whatever reason have an incredible personality, and we've all met them, we've been to Breakfast Network and met people in really boring jobs with incredible personalities, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's when organic could play into your hands because you're not selling the product, you're selling yourself. And as long as you're cool with that. And and that's a bit like what we were talking about before, these linked influencers. They've, they've grasped that. And whether it's because they're funny, they're beautiful, they don't mind being naked, whatever it is, they're using it to their advantage and they're comfortable with that. And I and I think... They are their niche. Yeah. And, and you know, Alex Hormozy, to an extent, he's a stacked guy with a big beard, good looking, knows his shit. But if he was a scrawny little geeky guy sat in a cupboard, would it be as effective? The answer is no. So, and I mean, generally speaking, we're talking about new forms of marketing or new new for a certain business. Consistency plays a massive part. We also say give it a year. So whether that's joining a new networking club, um, starting ads, starting email marketing, whatever, it, uh, launching a podcast. I mean, bloody hell, how many times people? Oh, I want to launch a YouTube channel. I want to launch a podcast channel. And well, like my daughters, you know, two months later, I'm a bit bored, didn't get anything. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Like, how many people turn up to one networking meeting and never go again because they didn't get any business? I'm like, how how are you not seeing how wrong that is? You got to get people to know you to like it's just you. You turn up once, have a bacon sandwich, talk at people, and then you expect to get business. You've got to show up. Consistent. I can't think of anything worse than joining a networking club now and then you telling me I have to stick it out for a year. I'm missing a bacon sandwich here. Um, oh, I can eat a bacon sandwich right now. Because uh, obviously for some people, and to be honest, we, we grew our smaller businesses in a previous life through networking. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything worse now. But for some people, it could work really well. But if people, are, I, I sign up, I'm going to go for a year, I'm going to turn up every fortnight. And as long as that room is full of decision makers rather than junior, honest, junior accountants who will take business but can't pass any back, then it might work for you, but you can't just turn up once and expect miracles. I'll tell you what, with what I know now, I'd know how to work a room so much better than I did back then. But that's just giving less of a shit, to be honest. Because <laughs> I used to go and think, oh, bloody hell, these guys seem important. I'll, uh, I'll just check my email. <laughs> and it's still got to be the right room and that when it comes back to mar- the marketplace market message media who are the people in the room because i suppose we have been in groups where i'd say half the room are the junior accountants or junior employees i should say people who can accept business but they they haven't got the the seniority to pass business back so it's all one side yeah and that's all that defeats the whole point of network the first thing i'd look for if i was joining a network club now is what's the rules and if there aren't any i'm not joining yeah. because i'd just be like okay um, if you're absent more than twice, you're out. Okay, that sounds like a good rule. Um, you must be a decision maker. Oh, that sounds like a good rule. 
you must pass a referral at least once a month. Okay, that sounds like a good rule. It, if there's mm -hmm. structure, that would be more attractive. Where actually, when you start in business, very often those ones are the ones that scare you. And and you know, even now I make jokes about BNI, but in hindsight, they're still here. It makes sense. Yeah, they're still here. And how many network clubs have come and gone? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Rules are worth controlling the club. <laughs> Monica. So, so how? Um, oh, Monica. Um, have you seen the new Scream film? No. So Emma and I watched it the other night, and and she's in it. Mm. Um, Courtney Cox, and yep. looks totally different. I well, I watched ask. the Friends reunion and she looked. Oh, I haven't seen she that. She looked odd. Yeah. So I went and googled it, and apparently she's had lots of work done, and she's not too happy, and she's just gonna go natural because I, I didn't recognize her. Like her face shape, mouth shape, had all changed. I was like, "Is that Courtney Cox?" You know, one of those weird moments. But it's a good film though. Is it? Yeah, got pretty good reviews. All right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just old now, but. Very violent. I thought it was almost like Scream was more like a comedy horror. This was like, shit, that's some graphic stuff. Yeah, the, the original, I guess it was graphic, the original, but it was, it, it was a bit of, there was dark comedy about it, right? Like, this, this was just horrible. Was dark comedy? But then, mind you, my, my, one of my daughters has got to do a speaking project at school and she's chosen Jeffrey Dahmer as the subject, so she's watching Dahmer now. And it's like, well, holy shit. But then Emma didn't have a problem watching that at all. And she thinks maybe it's because I'm a bloke. But, oh, yeah. It freaked the shit out of me. That Just about how many times he should have been caught. Yeah, I don't like that stuff. And, and that's what freaked me out, the fact that it's, it's wrong what he did. But it's the fact that most of the people should still be here now because he should have been banged up fucking donkey's years ago. You just don't like people that are inept. That's what it is. I don't like people who are fed. Well, yeah, there's that as well, yeah. And, I mean, the two coppers who, let's say, played a significant part in, the, in what he was allowed to do, one of them ended up being the bloody, the, the, the chief ambassador for the police association or something. It's like, yeah. I mean, amazing... Uh, amazing series, but fuck. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. You think you about to ask me how do we take? Oh, uh, you said I said about rules, and it was Monica from Friends, and we got to talk about Courtney yeah. Cox and Scream and Dharma. It's good to get digress once in a while. The end. What do you want to talk about now then? So new platforms, <laughs> right, John? What's coming up next? Because uh, new platforms emerge during difficult economic times, and we are in quite a, an economic. Picture. Yeah, so I think everyone's fairly. I mean, the UK's in recession. America's about to go into recession. That that's not me. Banging the where we're being. There's from. a major in a recession. Well, yeah, exactly. And if you look historic, so you look at the 2008 recession. There was a massive social media boom. You look at the recession before that, the dot com boom. You look at the recession before that, basically the mass um, take up of the internet. So, opportunity knocks. There will be platforms that appear in the next two years that no one has a clue are coming. And it's just listening to the right people, the people who've been there and done it several times before, and seeing which direction they're going and then execute. Mm -hmm. Slightly flagging the sand. If you're going to commit, commit to hundred percent. Yeah, and don't commit don't make the mistakes that 
I've certainly made where like when TikTok came out and some of these major players were saying TikTok's the next big thing and I was like, oh, fucking hell, it's just people with hula hoops. Um, or when Instagram came out and people said, this is the next big thing and I, every time I went on it, it was just pe- pictures of people's dinner. You kind of got to take the cynicism away if the major players are paying attention to it. Like crypto, now the banks are investing in crypto, they're not going to let it fail. So you need to start, you know, when, when a platform starts to get adopted by major players, probably worth taking seriously. Thanks for listening to the Stay Hungry podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Now, if you're looking to sort your marketing out, visit fixmymarketing.co.uk and get in touch today.